Tonight, we're going to talk about kindness. You know, in a world we live in today, when we're talking about kindness, I believe that the world needs a little bit of kindness. Amen? I believe that we need to be kind to one another. We need to care for one another. You know, we turn on the TV, we're reading the newspaper, and it seems like the devil's got a foothold on people, and people have just kind of stopped being kind, and they stopped helping with people. Not everybody, but you see the majority of that, and so we're going to talk about that. And you know, that's good, because I'll stand up here and I'll say, you know, the world needs a little bit more kindness. That's what the world needs. Everybody's mean, but the world needs a little bit of kindness. But then I have to ask myself, that's not really the way to say it. The way to say it is, do I need a little bit more kindness? Am I kind to people? Do I care about people and what I say and what I do? And so we're going to start off today just by a little quiz. We're going to take a kindness quiz. How's that sound? And so I just want you to evaluate yourself and see how it is. So we're going to go with some of the things that happen in our lives. The first of it, imagine yourself driving down 225 over here. And you're driving down 225, and you're driving to work or somewhere, and the car on the side of you cuts you off. What is your course of action? Well, we got possible answers. A, punch your horn a million times, because you know there's nothing like punching your horn a million times that's going to get that person that punched you. B would be scream at your steering wheel as loud as you can, and they will actually hear you, but you scream at your steering wheel. The other one is continue with your commute as if nothing happened. Maybe they didn't realize you were in the wrong lane. So they, they just made a mistake. That's C. And D is follow them until they finally stop, and then you're going to teach them a lesson. Well, you pick what you are. I know what we all should have, right? We should have C. The next one that we're looking at with the quiz is you're driving around a parking lot up here, and you're in the Target Coles parking lot, and you're driving around the parking lot what seems to be forever, and you're getting a little frustrated because, you know, the goal is to get the close as you can to the front so you don't have to walk as far, and you're, and you're turning in the lane, and as soon as that, you see a parking space, well, then you see a car coming the other way, and you've got one parking space, and you have two cars. A... Do you speed up and steal the spot before they do? Is that what you do? B, do you let them take the stop spot and then you key their car after they get out of it because that's kind of what it was? Or C, you let them have the spot and you just keep looking. They may have seen it first, you don't know. Or D, wait to see if it, they take it and if they don't take it right away, you can go ahead and pull in. Now there's some kindness in there and there's also some not very kind. Let's talk about this. You're waiting on an elevator. We've all been in elevators. And you get on the elevator. It finally arrives because you've kind of been impatient because it's a tall building. And you get in, and as soon as you're in the elevator, you turn around and you see somebody coming toward the elevator. Kind of a shady-looking person or just somebody to you that looks, you know, just somebody coming to the elevator. Do you pretend not to see them and you press the button as fast as you can so the elevator closes? Do you hold the door until they get in? I mean, you just say, hey, come on in. Are you trying to go up? That's a kind thing. Do you press the door closing as fast as you can? The only problem with that is I'm, I always get mixed up which the 
closing and opening is, so I usually push the opening. Not that I've ever done that, though, by the way. Or do you pray that the door closes before the person gets in? You know, it's just kindness. And the last one is this. You're at a restaurant. Let's just say you're at Jimmy Chonga's, and you have to wait longer than you usually have to do for the waiter and waitress. That's never happened, right? Waiting on your food. Do you fall on the ground and say, I'm starving and I'm going to die in front of everybody? Or do you politely ask the waiter if everything's okay? Is everything okay? It seems like it's taking a little long. Just be real nice about it and just ask them. Or do you get angry and complain at everybody at the table and then make everybody uncomfortable? Or do you start taking 1% off the tip for every five minutes that you have to wait for your food? See, and you're, you're, you have a piece of paper and you start writing, well, I'm just going to do that. And so the question is, what's the kind thing to do? Well, every one of these, it's pretty obvious what the kind thing to do is. But the fact is, many of us, at different times in our life, we probably haven't been, I know with me, I haven't been the most kind person when it comes to different situations that I've been in. And so I believe that what we have to do as Christians is this. We have to look at the Word of God and we have to examine what is it saying about being a kind person. If I have Jesus Christ in my heart, which I do, then what is my relationship with others when it comes to the word kindness? Because if we're not careful, what happens is we fall into habits that aren't very kind. And so I'm going to start today just to talk about kindness. You know, kindness is a virtue that all of us need, and it's very important in this world, especially in the spiritual context. And as followers of Christ, what we must do is we need to learn to imitate Christ's love to everyone around and demonstrate kindness to other people, not just in our words, but also in our actions. And that's everyone. And so kindness is a virtue that we need to have and that we have that we express to people the way Jesus Christ expressed his love and compassion. And we're going to look at that first because I think it's very important that we understand what the Bible says about kindness. The first thing we're going to look at is this. Let's look at some reasons to be kind. The first one is this. There is a, the Bible gives us a positive command to be kind to each other. I'm going to give you two scriptures, and I want you to listen to these scriptures because the Bible actually comes up and it says... This is kind of a positive command. It's not like you better do this or you're in trouble. It's like this is how we need to be. When you have, a, when you have Jesus in your heart and when Jesus Christ has come into your heart and forgiven your sins and, and you have been forgiven and you're going to spend eternity with Jesus and God for the rest of your life, then we have this command in the Bible that's a positive command to say to us this, the first one is Ephesians 4.32. It says, and be kind to one another. That's just basically what it says. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God Christ forgave you. So the positive command is this. When we know Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, the Bible comes and says this to us. We need to be kind to each other. We not only need to be kind, 
but we need to be tender-hearted. That means we have a heart that is tender toward what other people are going through. I believe sometimes, especially in the world we live in today, we can get hardened. Our hearts can get hardened to this world and to all the negative. And if you listen to it too much and if you you know, watch the wrong things and the wrong news and you're just sitting there watching it all the time, no matter what it is, what happens is we have a tendency, our hearts to start getting hard. And so the Bible's saying as a Christian, we need to be kind, but not only kind, but we need to be tender-hearted. That means we have a heart that is tender toward people's problems, what people are going through. I mean, I don't think as a Christian, I should ever say out of my mouth, well, you know, I think that person just got what they deserved. I think what should, a tender harder answer with that would be, I'm going to pray for that person because that person is going through a hard time right now. See, that's the tender hearted. That's what the Bible's saying. As Christians, because Christ forgave us, we should be able to forgive others and be tender hearted. The Bible also says here that we need to forgive one another, even as Christ forgave you. Now, that's a very positive command, right? That we should never hold grudges because Christ forgave us. Think of your life. Think of, think of your life, and that's all you can think of when it was before Christ. But think of your life before Christ, all your sin that you had. And there was a time in your life, I pray, that you came before the Lord and you got down on your knees or in your heart or somewhere, you said, dear Jesus, please forgive me for my sins. God, I'm a sinner. I repent of my sins. I give all myself to you. Please forgive me. And at that moment, when you believed in your heart that Jesus died on the cross for your sins so you can be saved, at that moment, you were saved. And he forgave all your sins. He didn't just forgive all your past sins or your present sins, he's forgiven even your future sins. So Christ has forgiven you. And so the Bible, that positive command is, when we have people do something just really small compared to all our sins, then we must forgive them. That's what that's saying. So these are positive commands. These aren't like, you better do this or you're in trouble. These are like, this is just a natural way that we need to be when we have Jesus Christ in our heart, that we are kind, that we are tenderhearted, that we forgive one another. And why, do we, why are we this way? Because Christ has forgiven us. Aren't we glad tonight that Jesus Christ forgives us of our sins? And one day, 200 years from now, we'll all be in heaven together and we'll see each other and we'll be glorifying God and worshiping God and living in our mansions and because Jesus Christ died on that cross a long time ago for our sins. See, that should make a life change in how we treat other people. And not only that, we should want to take as many people as we want with us. And that's why we have evangelism. That's why we go out and we tell Jesus, people about Jesus Christ so they'll come to know him as personal Lord and Savior. And then I'm going to read another scripture. This is in Colossians 3.12. If you have your Bible open, go, go to Colossians 3.12, and it says this. I'll let you turn there. Colossians 3.12. It says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself. Now, that means put on. Clothe yourself with this. Compassion, 
You need to clothe yourself with kindness. There's that word again, right? We're looking at the, basically the word kindness today, but that's that word again. With compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, and with patience. Now remember this scripture for later because we're going to get to the only way we're going to be able to actually do this. But yet at the same time, I want you to understand because we are God's chosen people. I mean, God wants us to make a difference in this world. He wants us to make a difference in the world. He, he can't, Jesus died on the cross. We accepted Jesus as a personal Lord and Savior. Now he has a purpose for every single person in this room. You have a purpose for God. And one of, that, one of, one of those is this. As his chosen people, to share his name and to share his love throughout the world, to share his compassion, his kindness, his humility, his gentleness, and his patience. Now, we'll go a little off script for a little bit, and we're going to do a different word. But I praise the Lord that he is patient with me. Do you? I, I am. You know, because we're still sinners saved by grace, but we still sin sometimes. And we have a God that is patient with us and loves us and shows compassion to us. And so the first thing that we need to look at is this. The Bible gives us a positive command to be kind. So that's the reason we should be kind. That's number one reason. Number two is this. Our very own God is kind toward us. God is the example. He is kind toward us. Let me read this scripture right here. If you have your pen, you can write down Titus 3, 4 through 7. I want you to listen to this. But when the kindness and the love of God, our Savior, toward men appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercies, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. I am so glad that we have a kind God, that we have a God that is kind and loving. I'm not saying that he's not just, has, hasn't had a need for justice and that there's sometimes that he doesn't have wrath. I'm not saying God's not like that, but toward us, for our salvation, we have a kind God that it says here, that he loves us and the love of God looked at us and said, through Jesus Christ the Lord, I want everyone who accepts me to be saved. That's a kind God. You know, God's not this angry God up there trying to get you. God is a loving, caring God, a patient God. He wants us to have a relationship with him. He wants us to talk to him. He wants us not to fear him in a scared way. Now, we fear him in an honorable, all way, but not in a, he doesn't want you to be scared of him because he is a kind God and he is a loving God. And see, as Christians, what we need to do is we need to present God to other people as a kind and loving God, as a God that loves you and cares about you. And he cares about you so much that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sins. So another way, like I said, 
we know that we're supposed to be kind because God is kind. And the third way is this. We know we need to be kind because Jesus was the perfect person of kindness. Throughout the New Testament, you see Jesus being one that has compassion, being kind, being caring, because you know what Jesus wanted? Jesus wanted to die on that cross for your sins and my sins. That's what he was there for. And it shows God, Jesus shows his kindness, and I'll read an example. It's all throughout the Bible, but I'm going to read this example and just think about this. How would, I, how would you respond? How would I respond? How would I respond to this scripture I'm about to read? I'm going to read Luke 23, 33, and 34. And when they had come to the place called Calvary, there they crucified him. Now that's Jesus. You're at Calvary, and they're about to crucify him. And they had Jesus in the middle, and they had criminals on each side of him. So Jesus is there in the middle with criminals on each side of him, one on the right and the other on the left. Then Jesus said this, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. So here's Jesus after being beaten, almost to death, humiliated, made fun of. People were dishonest about him. And he's on this cross, and there's criminals on both sides. And he says to his father, Father, forgive them. I'm going to say that's kind. Because he knew right then, because of the kindness of God, that his purpose was to die on that cross and on the third day come out of that tomb so we can be saved. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. See, that's good to know, isn't it? I think that's good to know this. It's good to know that all these reasons are why we need to be kind. But can I be honest? <laughs> I know all that. I mean, I put this sermon together. But sometimes I'm still not the kindest person in the world. Do you ever have that problem? I mean, sometimes I'm not the kindest person. I still get upset when my food's not in time. Not that I've ever done anything on that quiz. But you should see me on 225 sometimes going downtown or on the highway. Sometimes I'm not the kindest at home with my family. Sometimes I'm not the kindest when I'm having to wait at a store so I know all this, and yet sometimes in my life, I'm not the kindest. So how can I do this? How can I do, how, how can I do this? I thought, well, maybe I'll go to a class. I'm going to find a seminar, How to Be Kind. 
And then we'll go to the seminar and we'll spend all day, eight hours, with a little booklet and notes. And the person's going to tell me how I can be kind. Well, just be kind. That's basically the whole seminar, eight hours. Just be kind. And so you write it all down and then you go home and somebody cuts in front of you and you honk your horn and you're saying a couple of things that you probably shouldn't have said. Or I know, I know what I would do. The class didn't work, so this is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to get up every morning. I'm going to get out of bed, and I'm just going to try harder. I'll tell you what. I'm just going to try harder to be kind. I'm just going to try harder to be that. I'm going to try harder to be kind to my family and then kind when I'm driving down the highway and kind. I'm just going to try harder. The problem is with that, do you all agree? It doesn't work. It doesn't work because they still cut you off on the highway. So there has to be something other than me just trying harder and me going to some class or just saying I'm going to be kind. I'm going to be kind to people. There's got to be something different. And you know what? There is in the Bible. See, that's why this is the book that we need to read. Because the, this book tells us how we can be kind all the time. I'm not saying we won't ever make mistakes, but this book right here tells us how we're going to be kind all the time. Wouldn't it be great if you knew how to be kind all the time? This is no eight-hour seminar, I promise. I'm going to show you. This is basically how you do it. You let the Holy Spirit teach you. You let the Holy Spirit teach you. Now, first of all, just follow with me now. We receive the Holy Spirit when we're saved. So when we ask Jesus Christ into our heart, what happens is at that very time, the Holy Spirit comes into our life and he fills us. So every believer, everyone that has Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, you have the Holy Spirit within you. And the Holy Spirit, first of all, the main job of the Holy Spirit and job, when I say job, but the main task of the Holy Spirit is, first of all, to convict people of their sins. So when you got saved, do you remember the time you got saved and you just felt a nudging on your heart that this was the time that you, were, that you need to ask Jesus into your heart? That was the task of the Holy Spirit. He he convicts us of our sins. He, he nudges us to salvation. And so that's, that's the task of the Holy Spirit. He nudges us to salvation. Then we ask Jesus Christ in our heart. And the moment that we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and we've asked him into our heart, we believe that with all our heart, the Holy Spirit fills us. And now the Holy Spirit lives within us. And his job or his task within us is to give us spiritual strength, it is also to convict us of our sins as Christians. When we're Christians, you know, have you ever done something wrong after you were saved and you had this kind of like gut feeling like that's not really the right thing to do? That's not your conscience. That's the Holy Spirit convicting you. And so the Holy Spirit lives inside of you to help you live the Christian life. And we receive the Holy Spirit when we're saved. Now in John 14... Jesus is talking to his disciples, 
And that's at the very part where he says, let not your hearts be troubled, I'm going to go to heaven, and in and, and heaven there's many mansions. And that's what you hear a lot of times at funerals. But later on in John 14, this is what Jesus says to us about the Holy Spirit. Now listen to this. He says, these things I have spoken to you while you're present with me. This is Jesus now. These are the things that I've spoken to you, all the things that he was talking about at the first of John 14, so, and then everything else he said to him. So if you have time tonight, read John 14, and you'll know what I'm talking about. He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring you your remembrance of all things that I said to you. So this is what he's saying to the disciples. This is what's going to happen when I'm gone, after his ascension. Jesus dies on the cross. He comes out of the tomb. He's here on earth with the disciples. And then he ascends to heaven, and he's in heaven. And then in Acts, the Holy Spirit comes upon them. You all realize that? Remember? That's the whole story, what happens with that. And the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And this is what the Holy Spirit, this is what Jesus says the Spirit does. First of all, but the helper. So the Holy Spirit is a helper to you. It's God inside of you helping you to be a Christian, helping you to live the Christian life. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you. And so the Holy Spirit in every one of us that are saved, he is, one of his tasks is to teach us. Well, what's he trying to teach us? Well, he's trying to teach us how to live the Christian life, how to live for Jesus. Kindness, here's where the premise comes. Kindness is the natural overflow of our lives transformed by the Holy Spirit. Kindness is an overflow of us having a good relationship with Jesus Christ and walking with Jesus Christ. We can't do it on our own. We cannot be kind on our own. How do I know that? Because if you have your Bibles now, let's turn to Galatians 5. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Now remember what I said, kindness is a natural overflow of our life transformed by the Holy Spirit. How do we know that? Because it says in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the scriptures before are talking about all the things of the flesh. But right here in 22 and 23, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit, you all know it? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So that's what it's saying. Y'all say it with me again. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Sometimes I get gentleness and faithfulness mixed up, but it's still in there. And so that's what it is. That's what an overflow of our life, you know, you hear people all the time say this, well, I'm just going to pray for more patience. Well, you can pray for more patience, but really the job now is this. If the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, 
then what we need to do is we don't need to try harder to be more joyful. We don't need to try harder to be patient. We don't need to try harder to have self-control. We can try as hard as we want to, because, but our sinful flesh sometimes gets in the way. What we need to do is we need to submit to the will of God in such a way that the Holy Spirit overflows out of us. And I'm going to kind of share with you real fast right toward the end of this, how are we going to do that? Because I know that's easy to say, well, you know, you just... You need to get so close to Jesus that the Holy Spirit overflows out of you. But first of all, that's, I mean, that's a lot. But what are some ways that we can do that? There are some ways that we can get close to God. And there's ways that we can walk with Jesus Christ in such a way that we, the Holy Spirit is just teaching us and overflowing out of us. Have you ever known those people that are so close to Jesus that you just kind of feel it when you walk by them? And you know that? Well, I'm here to say that the Holy Spirit wants all of us that way. But yet it does take some things that we need to do. And that is, first of all, we need to make sure that we have Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. That's just number one. I think that's fair, right? Because the only way that the Holy Spirit can get into your heart to teach is for you to ask Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Has there ever been a time in your life that you've realized that you are a sinner and that you've asked Jesus Christ into your heart and that you know that he came into your heart, he died on the cross for your sins, he rose on that third day, he came into your heart and he has forgiven you for sins, of your sins. If you are saved today, the Holy Spirit is in you, ready to teach you and help you to be a kind person. And, you know, that's good. But sometimes even with that, what happens is we just kind of get, we just go with the world sometimes. We just get so busy. And so there has to be something else. I mean, the Holy Spirit's there. But are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Has the Holy Spirit filled you to where it's just overflowing to people? And people see you and they go, now that's a kind person. That's a patient person. That's a person with love. That's a person with joy. That's a person with peace. That's a person with patience and kindness. That's a person with goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. That's, that's a person like that. And I look to God and I say to God, God, I want to be that kind of person. That should be our heartbeat, to be the kind of person that so walks so close to God that the fruit of the Holy Spirit just comes out of us. Wouldn't you want to be that way? So how do we do that? Well, first of all, you make sure Jesus is your personal Lord and Savior. Second, this. You let the Holy Spirit teach you to do everything you can possibly do to make sure your walk with Jesus is where it needs to be. This is where it takes us. We need to do what we can possibly do to make sure that our walk with Jesus is where it needs to be. I'm going to name some things. Number one, I believe that we need to read our Bible. I believe that we need to spend time in this. We need to read it. We need to consume it. We need to memorize it. We need to hear what God has to say to us about how we need to live as Christians. 
and it will so empower you. You know why it will empower you? Because this is like a two-edged sword. God's word is going to convict us. God's word is going to educate us. God's word is going to build us up. God's word is going to help us to know how to live this life that we're living in a world that is full of sin. That's God's word. So the first thing you need to do is read God's word. I challenge all of us in here today, including me, that we spend more time picking up Jesus, the word of God, and reading the word of God. I pray that you can just, even tonight, commit to God and say, God, I want to be so close to you. God, I want to have that overflow of kindness to people and patience and love and joy that only comes through the feeling of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, God, and I just want to read your word. If you're not reading the Bible very much right now, I just ask you to start in John. John's a great book to start in. Take the book of John and read that this month. A little bit at a time, more time, but any time you can possibly do it. If you, don't have, if you have a phone, download the Bible on your phone. And when you're sitting waiting for something, instead of being unkind, read a scripture. Read the scriptures. Let the Lord just start building you up and teaching you. And the Holy Spirit will teach you and saying, you're getting stronger. You're getting stronger through the power of God. Because I believe the Word of God is what makes us stronger, not some pep talk. It's the Word of God that's going to make us stronger. So read the Bible. Second thing that I think that we need to do, because the Bible does say this, your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's Psalms 119, which makes this. It's not only going to build you up, but it's also going to show you how to live. See, that's the Holy Spirit teaching you. So I believe you need to read your Bible. I believe you need to confess your sins. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Well, that happened in salvation, but at the same time, when we sin as a Christian, we've broke fellowship with God. And we need to go to God and say, God, I've sinned. I, I really acted a way I shouldn't have acted. And so, God, I'm asking that you forgive me. And what that does is it puts you back in the right relationship with God. You know, Nikki and I, we um, sometimes argue. I know that's hard to believe, but, you know, sometimes we argue, and that doesn't mean we're not married. I mean, we're still married, but yet I have to, mainly it's me, I have to apologize to her. And, I, I mean, I'm already married to her. Why do I even need to apologize to her? I mean, we've been married 42 years. Why do I need to apologize to her? You know why I need to, 43 years, sorry, Nikki. But why do I need to apologize to her? Well, this is why I need to apologize to her. I need to apologize to her and say, I'm sorry, and will you forgive me to get that fellowship back where it belongs? And see, that's why we get with God when we confess our sins, even after we're Christians. We want that fellowship with God to be as, as strong as it can be, and the Holy Spirit starts flowing through us. So we confess our sins. I've already said this earlier, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time saying it, but for, we need to forgive others. I believe that forgiveness is one of the keys for a Christian because of what God's done for us. I believe that Jesus dying on the cross for our sins was the most selfless, kind, compassionate, loving thing that's ever happened in this world, and what they did to Jesus was atrocious, 
And I don't think anybody can do anything worse than what they did to Jesus Christ, God's son. And so when he forgave us, I think we need to forgive others. And what happens when you do that is the Holy Spirit starts filling up, and then as he fills, the outpouring of Jesus comes out, and you become more loving and more kind and more patient and more gentle, and that's how you live your life. See, we can't do it on our own. Be obedient to the will of God. As you read the Bible, what you're going to see is that there's a lot of Scripture that tells you what really a lot of the will of God is. I'm supposed to love you. You're supposed to love me. I'm supposed to be kind. That's the will of God. I'm supposed to care. That's the will of God. I'm supposed to tell people about Jesus Christ. That's the will of God. And so as you're spending time in the Word of God, what's going to happen is God's going to show you what His will is, and then you start living that. And as you start living that, the Holy Spirit becomes more filled in your life, and the overflow goes out, and you become a kind person. I believe you need to humble yourself and give God complete control of your life. You know, that's probably the hardest thing to do is not want to take care of it myself. But there has to come a time in Christian's life for us to be kind the way God wants us to be kind. That we get down on our knees and our face or we just get down in our hearts and we have to say to God, God, I'm tired of doing it on my own. And God, I need to just humble myself before you to say, you're the only one that can give me the strength that I need to get through this. And as you do that, what happens is the Holy Spirit in you starts teaching you more how to love and how to be joyful, how to be kind to people, and you'll start having peace and patience and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control because you're walking step by step with Jesus. And the last one I believe, well, there's lots of them, but the last one I think is very important in our life is we need to make sure that we remove all bitterness from our life toward people or things or whatever it is we have in our heart that's making our heart just bitter or angry toward people. I believe that's We just need to get rid of all that. Now, how do you do that? Well, you have to do that by doing what I just said before, and that is just humble yourself. You just have to humble yourself and say, God, I'm letting this go. I'm letting this go. I believe we need to worship together. I believe that we are stronger when we're together. And I believe that when we worship, because the Bible says that, right? Do not forsake the assembling together. I believe when we come to church, we hear the word of God, and we're stronger. I hope you're stronger tonight than when you came in here. I know when I'm here, and I hear Dr. Dr. Redmond and John preach all the time, I'm always stronger when I walk out. And I praise the Lord for that, don't you? I praise the Lord that we're hearing the word of God, and they're teaching us the Word of God in our hearts and and our lives are changed, not by them, but by the Holy Spirit who's saying to us, this is how we live for the Lord. 
and it's from the Bible. I believe we witness to people. I believe that's one thing we need to do. I believe that we pray for people. I think we pray for one another as a church. I think we pray for our family. I think we pray and commune that way. But not only that, but when we pray, I think that we talk to God and praise and honor God for who God is. So how do we need to spend our effort? Trying harder to be kind? No. By getting as close to Jesus Christ as we can. And kindness becomes an overflow of the Holy Spirit who is so full in our lives because we're walking with Jesus that people look at us and they say, man, that person's kind. That person has joy. That person is the most patient person I've ever met. Wouldn't that be great to hear? That person is good. That person is gentle. Not because of what I'm doing, but because of what, who? God is doing. Because we have turned and humbled ourselves and turned all of our lives over to Jesus Christ. Amen? Listen to the scripture again. The scripture that I read back about Jesus, about God being kind to us. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior toward men appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercies he saved us. Through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So the response tonight is two ways. Number one is the response I'm first going to talk to Christians. How do we become more kind? We get as close to Jesus Christ as we possibly can by reading the word of God, by humbling ourselves, by living by what the word of God says. I pray that you commit tonight that we're just going to spend more time with God. The world needs it. The world needs kindness. Not our kindness, but God's kindness. The world needs that. The second challenge is here tonight. If you're here tonight and you're not sure you're saved... Or if you're here tonight and you came in here tonight and you were just seeking something from the Lord and you're realizing tonight the Holy Spirit's nudging at your heart saying, you know, I've never asked Jesus in my heart. How can I start this, this road to being kind? Well, that is to ask Jesus Christ into your heart. And it's not just the words you say. Asking Jesus Christ into your heart, it means that you realize, number one, that you're a sinner that you need Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that you know you need to repent from your sins, that you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross and on the third day he rose again, and that you're going to commit your life to Jesus Christ from now until the time you take your last breath, 
and you're going to live for Jesus Christ and honor and glorify his name. And you know, tonight, if you're not here tonight and you're not saved or you're not sure you're saved, you can do this this very night. And so Christians, tonight, I'm just asking you, let's just start on the road to be kind. I've kind of shared with you how we need to do that. I would just encourage you to first start out by reading your Bible more and let God just take you from there. And if you need Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior tonight, we're going to take some time right now. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their head and close their eyes. If you came in here tonight and now you realize, hey, I, you know, I need to settle my salvation or I've never had Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior. I, I, I want to be... I want the Holy Spirit to teach me how to be kind, patient, but you know, first of all, I just need to get saved because I'm a sinner, and I need Jesus as my personal Lord and Savior to come and forgive my sins. If you're here tonight and that's you, just you repeat this prayer in your heart. Say, dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. Come into my heart Forgive my sins and make me a Christian. I believe you died on the cross for my sins, rose on the third day. God, I want to commit my life to you for the rest of my life. Come into my heart, Jesus. Amen.